everyone. Welcome to Reset, a new thought leadership series organized by Art and Market in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. My name is Siwa and I am Content Manager at Art and Market. Over six panel discussions taking place in December and January, we will explore individual and collective efforts on current key issues and solutions in the local, regional and international art scenes. Featuring the voice of innovators, this get-together is an opportunity to share knowledge about ways to move synergistically into 2021. Today's talk is titled, Back to Basics, Material Practices in the Digital Age. As the impetus for digitalization grows with the increased physical segregation brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic, there is a tension between traditional and contemporary approaches and how they will evolve and coexist. In this panel, we speak with artists about how they are struggling the two while remaining true to their practices. Before we begin, I would like to thank everyone for spending the next hour with us. If you have a question to ask the panelists, you can type it out anytime in the Q&A box at the bottom of the screen, and we will get to them during the question and answer segment at the end. I'm now pleased to introduce our panel. We have um, Alicia Neo, artist and co-founder of Rec. Hi, Alicia. Um, we have with us Jason Lim, artist and educator. Hi. Um, we have Mazuri Maslan, artist and co-founder of Tikat Collective. Hello, everyone. Thank you. And last but not least, we have Zarina Muhammad, artist, educator, and researcher. Hi. Hi, everyone. The panel will be moderated by Melanie Pocock, curator of Icon Gallery in Birmingham. Melanie, over to you. Um, thank you, Siwan, and, and thank you, Art and Market. I'm, I'm so happy to be in such brilliant company, especially from the UK, where it's very grey and very cold. So I'm feeling transported already by Missouri's tropical background, which is nice. Um, and just as a starting point for reflection and further to the comments made uh, in the introduction about the topic of today's talk, um, I myself have been very conscious of this shift, of course, towards digital platforms during the pandemic and really by necessity, but that uh, it feels like it's a shared feeling among many of us who are working in the art world, but that, that this is by no means a replacement for the in real life experience. And particularly when it comes to art that really has a very strong material presence or um, really requires a, a personal intimate connection with an audience. And I think both of those qualities are very applicable to the artists who we have speaking today. Um, so what I'd like to do is to start by uh, inviting each of the panelists to share a few words about the projects that they're involved in for Singapore Art Week. And I'll start with Zarina. And Zarina, I know you'll be participating in a group exhibition which has the title, If Forests Talk. And the theme of this exhibition is about forests as sites uh, of knowledge, traditions, and also communities that gather and inhabit uh, the forest. So um, I'm wondering if you could just share a few words about the project, but in particular, how it will manifest 
and be presented online in a digital format. Okay. Um, right. Thanks, Melanie. Um, so uh, this project, it's uh, it's a it's a starting point of a hopefully much much longer um, collaborative research project. Um, it's titled uh, Earth, Land, Sky, and Sea as Palimpsest. So we're really interested in thinking about um, environmental histories, um, infrastructures that are perceived to be overlaid on spirit sort of paths. Um, thinking about the uh, idea of land, as Blim says, the expropriation of land, um, you know, extractive capitalist urbanization of space, um, landmarking, um, yeah, that sort of thing. So um, I suppose, you know, for this project, we were thinking about sort of the histories of, of um, secondary rainforests in Singapore, um, how they have also gone through these shape-shifting histories, how many of them have either been sort of obliterated, removed, or they've become very manicured, sanitized gardens. So, I mean, that, that was a sort of starting point for this project, uh, where we were sort of revisiting places that uh, we grew up in. Um, it's a collaborative, collaborative project uh, with Zachary Chan. He's a graphic designer, composer, musician. So we're really uh, trying to find ways in which we can think through some of these more um, unseen histories or material histories uh, through these different sort of entry points of uh, also engaging with our senses. So I guess I should add that something about uh, that we're really interested in thinking about would be um, thinking about the senses beyond the five senses that we are usually accustomed to. So I mean, for instance, uh, for the Javanese, uh, feeling and talking is, is also considered to be a sense. Mm. So it's, it's seeing, hearing, talking, smelling, and feeling. So mm. these are sort of some of the more culturally specific um, ways of sensing the environment. How do we, yeah, so that's one of the sort of entry points for this project where uh, what we're presenting, we are, we are seeing it as, a, as an invitation, as an invocation, as a sort of like opening ritual of sorts uh, to hopefully a much longer, at this point, it's, it's meant to be a three-year project. Oh, wow. No, that sounds really exciting. Uh, can I probe you a bit more though, Zarina, mm. on um, how it will be presented online? Okay, so... Um, so we'll be presenting, uh, I guess, what we call a series of earth drawings, as well as uh, three video works, a uh, video work in three parts, rather. Mm. Great. Um, thanks, Serena. Thank and you. I'll move on to Missouri. And Missouri, um, when I was reading about the exhibition that you're involved in, um, it was really interesting to read about these workshops, which have a very tactile theme. Uh, one of them involves, I think, decorating cakes. The other involves flower arranging. And it's all around this theme of what you describe as hypermaterial domesticity. Um, so could you tell us a bit more about this theme um, and also the workshops and how you'll deliver them, whether, for example, um, some of them might be delivered online, but as well in person, as I know in Singapore, you're a little more free to roam around than we are at the moment in the UK. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So um, what happened is that, like, when, we, when me and my uh, fellow curator, Elin Kyo, was actually started thinking about these ideas, we were looking at, like, the COVID era, you know, like, the situation that is happening right now, and we mm. were looking at how, like, you know, like everybody is seeking refuge at home and like 
when, when, when there was not enough masks, you know, like we start sewing from home and then we start trying to find activities to do at home, you know, and to, to keep our, ourselves occupied. And then that's, that's why, like, you know, we were thinking about how, like, the domestic space is so, like, important as well as, like, the very, uh, safe, like, the safe, uh, you know, um, space for us to be, uh, you know, uh, seeking refuge, you know, during these very uncertain times. Yeah, so we wanted to also like with this exhibition, we wanted to uh, invite artists that uh, use uh, very like craft techniques in like in their making, um, but also to also uh, let like uh, people at ma uh, at large to also realize that like um, you know like craft is something that like the domestic space the the, the uh, and its situatedness in the feminine right like it's very important to be brought upon because like. You know, like I think people uh, don't seem to see like uh, the domestic space as like as important as the the workplace, for example. You know, but I think because of this COVID nineteen situation, like people take uh, take um, into account like what are the things that are meant to them. So, like for example, Fatima Bano, she's doing a watercolor work, but most of her works are actually talking about the idea of uh, spirituality. Uh, you know, she talks about like how during uh, this uh, period of time, like. Uh, she actually had more time to actually be more in touch with uh, with with her spiritual self, you know. When before COVID, like she did, you know, she did not have enough time to actually um, take time for herself, you know. And then uh, for for Amira, like she's uh, talking about like how wedding has been downsized during COVID nineteen, and like uh, how we are forced to work with like having twenty invitees, and like still talking about like you know. Um, whether the idea of like tradition and commemoration are still on its, uh, it's still like uh, authentic in that sense. So like she's doing this uh, uh, like uh, floral sculpture using like ephemeral uh, uh, materials like orchids and like pandan leaves. Yeah. So to show that like, uh, you know, uh, wedding can still happen at home, you know, even at a very small venue. Yeah. And then uh, for uh, Dipali Gupta, uh, she know, uh, she's always been very um, uh, interested in looking at like um, uh, the idea of like a sexuality and like she's you know talking about how you know she can still uh, get her pleasure even like in uh, in her private place you know and these are like kind of like expression that will be expressed during the show, yeah, and uh, with about. Uh, the workshop, like, yeah, we wanted it to be, uh, so, so far we have a lot of, like, we have around 100 signups, but because of due to COVID-19 restrictions and, like, um, and also, um, like, uh, in terms of, like, uh, funding and all that, so what we, we decided is that uh, we will actually live stream uh, mm. the workshops, uh, as well as, like, uploading it online also so that uh, people could like actually do it together with us yeah mm. so there will be actually some like uh, sample kits that will be actually delivered to some of the participants so they can do it at home with us yeah mm. thank you Missouri and thank moving you. on to Alicia Alicia I'm really interested in the premise of this group exhibition that you're involved in because it's looking at themes like communication and intimacy, which at least in a physical sense, um, 
I, well, I at least, and I know many others have, have really been feel that they've been lacking um, in recent times, you know, with these lockdowns and circuit breakers. Um, and I know that you're presenting two projects in particular. Uh, would you like to describe these projects and again, also how they'll be presented both physically uh, and or online digitally? Thank you. Thanks, um, Melanie. So uh, the two projects that I'm showing, uh, one of them is uh, Between Earth and Sky. So the image that you see here is a, is a still from the, from the project. Um, it's going to be a video installation um, accompanied by uh, these uh, series of kites which uh, feature the uh, performances of um, a group of caregivers that I developed the, the work with um, over a year. So this was also a collaborative project. Uh, I worked with um, Shada Harrison and Ajunta Anwari. Um, they're a mother-daughter pair and uh, they do uh, really amazing uh, movement and uh, theater work. So um, during this uh, year-long process, uh, we worked with a group of caregivers to um, uh, sort of uh, um, go through a process with them where they develop their own personal um, gestures, uh, which express uh, different modes of uh, caregiving, as well as um, the complexities and, and ambivalences that they feel um, in, in providing care work. And um, so I think, I think this was sort of a, a, a project that um, lay sort of foundations for me to think about um, what does care look like and um, how do we actually take care of ourselves and uh, also um, others. Yeah, so I think um, one of the, the big things which um, was, was quite striking to, to us when we were working on this project is how the family is often seen as the first line of uh, defense or um, the sort of the main space of providing that care, like uh, Mazuri was also talking about the domestic space, right? So, so much of um, the pressure was uh, sort of put into our private spaces and sort of keeping these things um, nicely uh, contained, right? So, so I think um, I uh, this this project was um, sort of open opened up a space for us to think about it um, a lot more about the weight that um, people are, are actually uh, bearing um, uh, to to provide care and and how very often they actually forget to to share it. So so that sort of uh, led to the development of um, this uh, the other project uh, called the Care Index. So actually, if I can get some help to play the, the little uh, video. Um, yeah, we're playing it without, without sound, but I hope this trailer sort of gives you a little uh, indication of, of um, uh, the call for this project. So uh, the, the Care Index um, uh, was, uh, is, is something that I am launching during uh, Singapore Art Week. So it's going to be part of the, uh, of the showcase, and it's actually an, uh, an open call. We did an open call um, at, at the start of uh, December to invite you know people from all walks of life uh, to to share their gestures of care, and this can be interpreted very broadly, whether it's um, uh, something you do for yourself, uh, something you do for an intimate relationship, or um, something that you are um, you know you're thinking about the wider context and and uh, care infrastructures, things like that. So um, so I'm I'm really happy to also share that uh, we we did get some really really interesting uh, responses from uh, different parts of the world, and um, I I've been very amazed by the interpretations and the way that people are seeing care, um, and how it's going to be presented at the show is um, there's going to be a a video collage that brings together a selection of these. Um, um, offerings from different people and online you'll actually get to see sort of a start of an index 
And uh, what I'm hoping to do is um, over the, uh, in the next few years, we'll also work in different uh, working groups to actually sort of uh, build this index and, and sort of uh, revisit these gestures and see how they can actually be learned or um, even transferred to, to other people. Great, thank you, Alicia. Um, and moving on finally to Jason. Um, Jason, I'm aware that you're wearing a slightly different hat for this project. Um, you're also the artistic director of this group survey of Singapore ceramic art. Um, and also as an artist, you're, you're presenting work in it. And I know that ceramic has been this long-standing um, fascination and interest, a medium that you've used in your own work. So could you tell us more about the inspiration for this project? Um, and again, how it will be presented? Because one of the things I did notice in my uh, online research was that it already has quite a comprehensive website where it feels like it, it's not just about the, the physical exhibition, but, but creating a, a kind of discourse around it. Hi, um, hi, Melody. Um, I just want to start by saying that um, during the lockdown period, um, most of us have got like not much to do at home. So uh, what I did um, during the lockdown period was to kind of um, rearrange my bookshelf. And from rearranging my bookshelf, I kind of sort out all the, the catalogs and exhibition catalogs that I, that I have. And I start to realize that I, how, how few um, local artists ceramic catalog I, I, is in my possession. So from, from that moment onwards, I, was, I kind of took some time to kind of do a kind of like research on what are the Singapore ceramic artists doing now. So from that research, I, I thought that actually we do have quite a lot of artists doing their own things, but maybe the platform for showing their work in Singapore was quite lacking. And then upon further research, um, I realized that um, the last kind of national survey of ceramic uh, work done by Singapore-based artists was like in 1994. And I thought, wow, almost 30 years. I, I think it's about time we do another uh, kind of a national survey of um, what ceramic artists are doing and how the current state of ceramic is um, by artists who are based in Singapore. So um, in my curation and uh, kind of decision, I. I absolutely kind of just decided that I'm not going to show an, another pot in a way that is um, falling under the, the genre of say pottery, but more on about how um, artists in Singapore are interpreting, um, using clay to interpret um, what ceramics can be. So therefore the, the decision of this 19 artists are through a selection of um, from various generations, from different schools, and also um, people who are using clay, maybe not as a specialized material, but also inviting, inviting these artists to use materials that is maybe it's the first time that they use it and how they can get themselves out of their comfort zone to, um, to kind of push themselves um, beyond their comfort zone in using clay as a material. 
So uh, in these two slides that you can see, um, the, the work on the left by Nelson Lim, that, that would be uh, one of our ma uh, major piece in, in the exhibition. I think it's um, very rare that Singaporeans has a chance to actually see ceramic of this scale. Um, it's, me it's measuring two and a half meters by two and a half meters and about two and a half meters tall. Um, it's only, this, this work is basically um, a smaller part of, of a bigger installation. I would say it's maybe it's, uh, about 30% of the whole installation that he has. But um, you, in, in any case, you will be in the front entrance of the, the gallery space that we have at Gilman Barracks. And I think it will leave a, a big impression for the visitors. And the image on the right, so sorry about, um, I'm doing a bit of a self-promotion here with my own work. Um, it's also about uh, how my, my approach to using clay has, has gone into using it as part of uh, material for my performance practice. Um, basically, it's an eight meter long piece of uh, paper. And what I did was I started kneading um, the clay onto this paper to create an imprint. And in the process of these three hours of uh, creating this piece, my thinking or my meditation of it was about a vessel. So as I finish up this performance in the three hours at the top end of the fabric or of the top end of the piece of paper, um, actually vessel form starts to appear more clearly through the kneading of the clay on, 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 the, sur on the paper surface. So to me, it's also like kind of a revelation, you know, uh, how in a meditative uh, process, I'm able to achieve a certain image that I thought may not be possible just using a piece of clay, doing a kneading action onto paper. Um, and part of this exhibition, um, it's also a very comprehensive um, outreach program. So um, because of the safe measure management, we, we can't really have too many people in the gallery space. So creating a website is one way of um, reaching out to more audience internationally. Uh, and also, we also have this series of uh, artists and conversation uh, sessions, which will also be uh, on, online uh, on Zoom. So that's one way for us to reach a wider audience. Um, the other two, there, there are two performances happening also in this exhibition. Uh, one is a tea, shaman tea room presented by um, Ai Wei Fu and also Ken Lee. Both of them will be presenting a, a kind of tea appreciation um, stroke performance session via Zoom. The reason is because uh, Ai Wei and Ken Lee, they are now stuck in Malaysia and they, are, they can't be in Singapore to present their performance physically. So we are doing a live telecast of their performance um, uh, via uh, the Zoom. And the other uh, performance will be by the observatory. Um, so they will perform live on site. And this one will be kind of um, more intimate gathering of a small audience just based on the first come first serve reservation to experience their performance live in, in the physical space. 
Um, great, thank you. Thank you, Jason. And um, hearing your comments just now about how digital platforms have also increased uh, a certain capacity for the project. And this really relates to audiences, doesn't it? The fact that we've all throughout this time been testing uh, whether it's Zoom, uh, different ways of hosting events online too, and realizing that we can reach so many people beyond our immediate vicinity. Um, the same Missouri, you know, with you in these workshops where demand has actually obliged you to, to, to use the digital. Um, and I'm wondering, I mean, perhaps uh, Missouri and, and Jason, you could talk a bit more about this, but I invite everyone to contribute about um, how this increasing digitization of our and digital platforms have actually um, in recent times, you know, really facilitated aspects of your work, which perhaps pre-pandemic, before the shift, you wouldn't have thought to. Jason, uh, do you want to start first? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll just say a few things that you can just jump in. Uh, I guess um, during the lockdown period, or uh, when we in Singapore we went through all the restriction period, um, especially for me who deals with uh, some galleries, their approach to uh, to create um, like online exhibition, so. They, there's always request uh, call or invitation by the galleries like, can you create something uh, of ceramic but digital so we can still put your work out there. So um, for me, this is a kind of quite a challenging um, experience or, or a process to have to go through because as a performance artist and also as a as a performance artist, first I, I, I need audience, kind of like live audience, and to be in the real space, real time with with audience, and to make performance digitally. For me, I feel it's a little bit. Um, I guess you can say that I'm an old school um, performance artist who need those uh, essence of what is considered a performance. Need the live audience basically in the real time in real space, but to do it digitally is something for me to, a barrier that is for me to, to cross over, to accept that this is the new now, how do I strategize my, my performance um, in that kind of digital presentation. And for my ceramic work, recently I've been like combining a lot of my performance practice with my ceramic work. So one of the work that I've created during the pandemic, which is digitized, is a kind of um, temporal installation work. It's made out of 385 uh, pieces of um, ceramic spikes, where I would arrange these spikes through every breath is one is placing down one ceramic spike to form a, a design or form of a, a, a sculptural um, relief piece and that to me then after that the, that work is kind of documented as a relic of that 385 breath that I took that took me to create that work so in a way it's kind of a new direction for me to try things out and um, I'm still trying things out and learning new things from how to adapt myself my own practice in, in this in this digital presentation 
So like uh, for the show that uh, I am doing, right? Like we have also been thinking about like some of the strategies to actually um, bring bring it online. And actually, this um, COVID uh, situation actually forces us to think about archiving our work online and making it accessible not only to the local audiences as well as like international audiences. Um, and I also could say like for example, uh, one of our uh, participating artist Dipali Gupta. She's right now un under lockdown in Kuala Lumpur. Um, so you know we were also worried about like the you know whether her 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 materials will come in on time. You know if there's any delay, and we have always been uh, trying to also do things online with her. And and these are like some of the conversations that we have with her. And like she's also doing a, her own video interview in her in her home home space and we are going to bring it online as well so like I think there's this uh, struggle like she was mentioning to me like uh, she has this struggle because she usually she take charge in presenting her work in a exhibition and this is the first time like she uh, entrusted someone like me to actually you know um, be the, her eyes and her hands you know uh, for this uh, exhibition but I think also one of the challenges that I face is that on how to document something that is three-dimensional, especially when you think about like, you know, when you are going into a space and experiencing an installation art, for example, you know, there's this kind of like, uh, most, um, like the idea of like moving around the space and, you know, looking at the objects are much, are very different, especially when you're having it, having to see it in real time. Um, and I think also with like, um, there's a lot of like conversation about uh, having uh, exhibition online and there's a lot of like um, new media that have been talked about, like for example, 3D mapping and all that. So I think that forces us to actually learn new like skills and softwares, you know, to keep up with this uh, ever-changing landscape of like the contemporary art scene. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're, I mean, it, you're so right, Missouri, isn't it? We're all upgrading our skills. And yeah. again, really by necessity. Um, but I'm very conscious, I mean, Alicia, for example, you have been using video. I mean, your website is also, you're constantly updating it. You really use it as a platform also to reach out to potential collaborators and audiences. And Alicia, I'm, I'm curious how um, the fact that everyone is sort of catching this wave now, I mean, has that affected also uh, the way that you think about the way you're using these platforms still? Uh, do you Did you feel you're sort of ahead of the curve? Um, and yeah, just, uh, you know, your, your background already, you're, you're, um, you're ahead of us, I feel, on this. Oh, I, I wish I could say that now, Melanie. <laughs> There's so much to, to catch up on. But I, I must say that um, uh, I think the the advantage of using technology during this time is I, I think because it does allow for um, people internationally to access a call. I mean, that's at a, at a very basic level. I think that has been a great advantage. Like, um, for example, this call for the Care Index uh, literally only went out in, in December and, and we were able to reach quite a broad range of um, people in vastly different circumstances. Like someone sent in a, a submission um, from Bintan, 
uh, you know, and they, and they are actually experiencing flooding at the moment. So it's it's also you know really um, quite important for them, given the the resources at the time, they were still able to send something via the phone, you know. And so I think there's something about this uh, broadband access and also um, the internet and different channels, you know, whether you're using the website, that's one, um, you know, like a basic example, but there are also many channels like social media and, and things like that, that you reach unexpected audiences. Um, so I, I think that has been quite um, interesting for, for me to observe. And, and also, um, while we're looking at this idea of an index, right, I think one thing um, I also appreciated was that there were um, many ways that we could also um, maintain sort of an interaction and um, continue a relationship with a, with a participant, for example. Like, so if you, especially for research related sort of work, right, that, that's developing over time, maybe similar to what Zarina is also doing. I think it, it really sort of um, builds a, a relationship over time that you can also archive. So that's something that I, I felt was quite valuable. Um, I think within my own practice, I'm also still sort of experimenting with, um, how the presentation can be can be more interesting and really sort of use the digital interface. So I, I don't have anything uh, revolutionary to say about that at the moment, but I will I will say that for um, our work at, at BRAC for our platform, um, there's a there's a core group of members who are sort of experimenting together. I think the onset of COVID-19 and this sort of push has um, been quite valuable for our um, our work. Yeah, because prior to that, you know, we were, were we were always very interested in ideas of um, gathering, and a lot of our work did manifest physically. A lot of them were uh, workshops that were sensorial. Um, you, we bring people through blindfolded workshops. You know, we use foley and things like that. So all that really had to massively change um, with uh, you know sort of COVID nineteen. And what we started to experiment with was the Zoom platform. So we we did use. Um, uh, we did run a couple of experimentations where we're looking at digital intimacy and how um, actually, you know, the the camera on, on our computers actually became then a portal for us to practice how to be vulnerable. And I, I did think this was quite interesting because um, we had some feedback from some participants that uh, in, in some ways, you know, the, the ability to control what people see, you know, even the angle of what I show you, right, and also the, the scope, whether I choose a background, not a background, how close I am, you know, when I want to um, maybe mute myself, you know, there are all sort of ways that we set up careful sort of uh, barriers to access. And sometimes, and I'm also starting to see that that potentially may be, may be actually um, a, a nice thing, you know, a nice experience, you know, to, to sort of um, have, have people the ability to control how they um, want to be perceived and how they want to be uh, present. So it's 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 interesting to think about how these experiences are never either or. You know, they mm -hmm. they are they can be read in in many different ways. So so I think for us that has been quite um, uh, interesting process to start experimenting with the digital space. Yeah, yeah what you were um, saying just now really resonated what with uh, something that Missouri also said about agency and trust. And it, it feels almost paradoxical, doesn't it? Like on the one hand, um, digital platforms are very empowering, like you said, you know, we can control what people see through the screen. Yet on the other hand, um, you, you, you're also giving yourself over to the platform. Uh, I mean, in, even in the case of this panel, you know, we're, um, we're trusting our market to host it 
as brilliantly as they are. But, you know, there is this vulnerability, uh, a different kind of vulnerability that, that emerges. Um, and yeah, just to, to go to Zarina on this one too, mm. because, um, you know, this is something I feel is really characteristic also of the kinds of performances and performance lectures that you were doing uh, a lot of pre-pandemic. I don't know if you're, you've been doing them online, but this sense of complicity in the room um, and yeah, the, the vulnerability, which you, you can sense and kind of shepherd and care for, you know, when you're in person, we, we, we're used to uh, mm. doing that, I suppose. We know how to do it with our bodies and, you know, communication. And I'm wondering how you shepherd um, and, and care for those sorts of uh, relationships with audiences and collaborators through a screen, you mm. know, because I think it's something that many of us have been finding challenging like for example even how do you start a totally new relationship from scratch yep. built on trust when you haven't met the person in real life you know this is something people that are ha having to do now yeah and yeah so I think um, something that Alicia mentioned about you know this is this is like a masterclass good practice in vulnerability and I couldn't agree more um, because I feel like um, you know we're, we're unlearning relearning so many things uh, so in September, I did a uh, like a workshop performance thing for Drama Box uh, for their festival called Scenes, Participatory Practices. So for them, it was a, a festival that they were planning for five years and then COVID happened and they had to go online. Um, so, I mean, that was my first uh, online workshop performance um, of sorts. And, and I think, I mean, I have to admit, I think it was a bit of a struggle in terms of how do I translate um, effigy making? How do we translate where in a conventional workshop, um, like what was mentioned with Jason, by Jason and Masuri, uh, you know, it's, you, you, you enter that space and, and you, can, you can sort of move around it, you can feel it, it's tactile, you can touch things. Um, so for me, that workshop was really, you know, getting us to individually, collectively really think about how we're uh, relearning and unlearning learning our relationship to routine, to our stubborn attachments to things and ways of doing things, uh, to our habits and habitats and to time. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I, I feel like, you know, for some of these uh, translations, I would I'd be quite candid and say that not all of them were successful, at least from my perspective. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think vulnerability, vulnerability yeah. in action there, right? <laughs> Absolutely, right? <laughs> you know, like the, the, it ends, the Zoom meeting ends and you just left Cole there and I'm like, oh, I'm alone here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. That um, feeling is, you know, it's heavy. So I feel like this time is really sort of amplified and brought out, like what Alicia said, it's not, a, you know, either or this or that. I think it, it has brought out these, these whole spectrum of archetypal lightness and darkness that we've all had to individually negotiate and mm. face. Mm. Yeah. No, no, totally. Um, and when you were also introducing um, your work uh, for this exhibition that you're involved in, I was really picking up on what you were saying about how almost um, presenting your work on digital platforms and communicating more through them had made you aware, had sort of awakened you to other senses 
um, you know, beyond ones that we uh, would usually refer to, like sight and sound. You talked about feeling, talking as a sense. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, this is a question again for everybody, but I'd be very interested to hear how this uh, move towards working digitally has changed or affected the way that you see certain material facets of your practice. So not so much um, it's transplanting to the digital domain, rather how it's almost like it's been a lens uh, or a way for you to see your very tactile, your very interpersonal work actually differently. Mm. I, I think maybe one thing I just uh, came to my mind when when uh, Melody was talking again. I'm I'm always very fascinated by this idea of multimodal learning. Also, so I think that was one thing that really like heightened for me during this time because I I felt like um, during say one of our um, uh, activities uh, during for for BRAC, um, one of our projects is called uh, making making of a meal. So we invited people to actually cook together and live stream their cooking processes. And then after that, they're brought through a series of uh, prompts where um, we guide them through different activities. And during that that process, you know, I I began to notice how um, people were sort of uh, using their bodies really differently. Um, in relation to other people, and that sort of formed some kind of um, connection. You know, people people pick up on that on that cue just looking at um, um, uh, subtle subtle sort of reactions online, or even how they they use their voices. You know, and then there's, I I felt it was interesting to see that kind of mimicry. Yeah, so for me that was um, actually quite uh, interesting. You know, especially when we're having this sort of grid. Um, ways of looking at things now, you know, how are we looking at patterns, you know, how, how are these sort of senses starting to, to fuse together, like uh, I loved what Zerina was sharing about talking as a, as a sense, right, so, so I think um, um, that, was, that was something that I observed and was uh, interested to, to also hear what you guys think about that too. I must say I have, I have never used so, the computer so much before in my life until we have to do all these Zoom meetings, and uh, every meeting is almost Zoom now. You know, in fact, today, just today itself, I, I have Zoom meeting from eleven until right now. So it's a continuous Zoom with different people. And that um, what Zarina say about um, after the event is finished, we're kind of left cold. Um, it's like when you press the leave button, then you just felt like I'm back again on, by myself. The kind of feeling that's Hmm. It's a very um, well, when when you are with people virtually, you you, you you can still feel that we're all together. But once you turn off that, press that button, then then you feel that you are back into like kind of like isolation in that sense. So there's something that I'm uh, the feeling I'm still trying to kind of learn how to deal with so much as um, yeah. In, in fact, just make, making my work for with with digital. I've been like, documenting my work digitally, but now I have to think of one more step further of like how to you know, kind of expand that possibility, especially in ceramics work and also um, especially so in, in ceramics work when we need to see it in a three-dimensional way, feel the texture. And uh, so maybe the, the way we document has to really evoke that kind of um, textual quality of a, of a three-dimensional object. 
And how about you, Missouri? Oh, yes. Okay. So what happened is that like, um, we were thinking about like how, you know, to digitize and everything. And because like most of the work are uh, installation based and, you know, we, may, we, we also feel that like, maybe sometimes the idea that BIM um, brought forth, you know, into the making of the work is not clearly or succinctly uh, translated uh, via the digital sphere. So what we usually, what we are doing right now is that uh, we are not only showing the final works, but we are also showing uh, our audiences like the processes. So like mm -hmm. in this sense, like we created this sense of like intimacy with our audiences, like not only just by showing the final work, but also talking to them and telling them like, hey, like this is how I do it. Uh, this is how, how I'm doing it. So in that sense also, like we are also trying to, uh, to convey a message to our audiences that uh, whatever they are feeling at the moment is not, they're not feeling alone, you know, like even I myself also like, you know, uh, at times I do feel like quite isolated and like, and sometimes like even talking to my uh, to my friends, you know, for example, when I'm communicating with Dipali in Kuala Lumpur and like, there's always this kind of like um, sadness to it, you know, and, but we try to really uh, keep in touch with each other and think, and I also feel that like, uh, with technology itself also, it helps us to like uh, keep connected at all times as and when we need to uh, communicate, yeah. Mm. Uh, great, thank you, Missouri. Um, I've got a few questions uh, posed by our audience. And um, I think I'll start off with, uh, there's a question here about whether um, you all think that artists lose out if they don't have a strong online presence. And perhaps I can connect this to another question, which is uh, to do with confidence selling works online. So I don't, maybe not all of you uh, have this commercial practice where you're utilizing a digital platform in that way. But um, yeah, if you could share comments and perhaps I'll start with Jason. Me, uh, I'm. I think I'm lucky to have a, a gallery that helps me to sell work, so I don't have to do the the, the selling myself, you know. Um, and the galleries are the the galleries I work with are they are quite hardworking in trying to promote my work online and offline. So uh, for me, life still goes on as an artist. I, I still continue to make my work in my own physical space and then find a way to deliver the documentation, the digitized version to a kind of online platform if they are doing an online exhibition. If not, uh, the physical work can still be um, the experience in, 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 in one, at, this, at this time, yeah. Great, and how about you, um, Alicia? Mm, I think because, um, yeah, because I, I, I don't really have a, um, uh, a commercial uh, art practice. So I think in terms of um, uh, sales-wise, I don't really have a comment for that. But I, I do think in terms of engaging an audience with process, I think having, having a, a, like some kind of digital presence really is very useful. And, and these days, a lot of um, unexpected discoveries do take place um, online and we get connected with fellow practitioners um, uh, through, you know, whether the very simple things like uh, hashtags or even just um, connecting through um, stories. I think these are, um, you know, very, very simple things which have uh, 
pretty tremendous um, impact actually. So I, I would say that um, sort of uh, being able to, to de develop this space is, is, quite, um, is quite crucial. So I think it's safe to say that the answer is more or less yes to that question, but of course is very dependent on, as Jason mentioned, the kind of support network that you might already have with a commercial gallery who has already got that kind of digital infrastructure. I mean, again, this is something I've um, been thinking of as you've all been talking in that um, things like uh, virtual mapping, uh, technology, you know, that these can be very costly and not every artist, you know, has access to these kinds of tools. So um, in terms of more lo-fi digital tools, you know, modest digital tools, how can artists, you know, use those um, and still optimize the opportunities that that offers? Um, I'm going to move on to another question, which I will pose to Zarina and Missouri. And uh, it's a very interesting question about where do you draw the line for digitizing for the sake of it and by necessity um, versus doing it meaningfully? Um, and in a way, where is perhaps pre-pandemic, you know, doing something like a digital webinar would have been seen as very purposeful and intentional um, and meaningful, whereas now it's become a kind of norm. So, uh, Zarina, would you like to respond to, to yeah. that question? Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I think that I've been definitely been spending the last few months, this entire year, thinking about that. Um, and uh, just to loosely quote the wonderful Nabila Zayed, uh, who's who, you know, uh, she she said something along the lines of, you know, how artists we do need to reevaluate and rethink. Um, the ways in which we perceive our value, that it shouldn't just be tied solely to our productivity and visibility per se. Uh, I, because I mean, I guess the shadow of, of this time um, of crisis, but you can also see it as transformation, is that, um, you know, a lot of us are also hurtling through this proliferation of digital content, which can be quite exhausting. Um, as Jason mentioned, he's been on Zoom meetings all day, and I, I completely understand how that can be. Yeah. <laughs> extremely draining um, and uh, so you know I, I think like uh, that's why coming back to the drama box workshop uh, which was you know very very wonderfully sort of like managed by the team but I guess I was when I was thinking about how to present the work um, I wasn't I didn't want it to just be a two-hour workshop where we come in and we're out um, I wanted to also give the participants and myself time for us to be by ourselves to sort of um, be present with, you know, the, the, the tasks or the departure points that we were sort of working with for that workshop. Um, so the, that workshop uh, had a two or three days, uh, like, space from the first session to the, the next session to sort of allow for that um, sort of space for, for us to process things because I felt, I still feel it actually that, um, you know, I think that a lot of us are still processing this time um, and it can be quite challenging to create work for the sake of it. I, I do think I am quite against that idea. Yeah, mm -hmm. I totally agree with uh, what Zarina said also. Yeah. I think it's also at this moment, I just also feel that like we are doing it uh, online also because, you know, we are forced to, you know, and, but you know, there's always something that we have to sacrifice. And I think that is something that is very hard to come into terms with. But like, 
as Zarina was saying, you know, I, we should see this as a form of transformation. And I think, uh, like, we, we, we could also, uh, I, I lost my train of thoughts, but yes, I agree with Zarina, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's uh, maybe a safe way to go, Missouri. Uh, no, no, it's. Um, I mean, what Zarina said is is so is so true, and um, you know, it it makes me also think about um, something which Jason had mentioned in in relation to the the recent period about how it's almost made him feel like it's so much more essential to engage with the tactile and the tangible. You know, it's. Um, and maybe this is a, a final point to throw out there to all of you, but um, the sense uh, which has just been evoked as well in these comments about the right to withdraw and, and, and just, you know, be in your studio to work with material um, and that it's actually this uh, demand to go online that has triggered that, you know, do we value actually, again, that in real life experience, perhaps from an audience perspective, but as a maker, you know, having that quiet space uh, to yourself. Um, and perhaps again, as an audience, you know, I, I'll appreciate the day uh, you know, again, in the UK where we can't go anywhere at the moment, where we can experience um, material art in real life and that we will appreciate that experience all the more so because of the lack and absence we've, we've had to deal with. Um, yeah, Jason, because that comment came from you. <laughs> um, would you like to start? Well, I think, um, especially so when we are like, facing the screen so much every day, everything is flat, you know, then um, for me, going back to the studio to be able to touch, play and make something, it's almost like a detox from the, this flat screen world. So um, definitely uh, going back to the studio for me, working with my clay, touching them, just fiddling around with it, kind of really brings me back, uh, kind of like, it's a very grounding kind of experience, like, back to reality here now I'm, I'm touching earth and something is close to to nature so yeah that that um, going back to studio is something i'll just carry on to do whether it's digitized or not whether it's pandemic or not it's still something that i will do naturally as a as a maker mm. and alicia mm, I, I i'm still sort of reflecting upon what has been what has been shared but maybe I guess one one thought which came to my mind is also what what do yeah caring spaces really look like right and and sometimes I do feel that um, you know while while physical presence and sort of um, um, being being able to be seen is is something that we deeply value and I don't think it's going to to change in in uh, for many people but I, I do think also this ability to to be be hidden and like you said the right to withdraw I think is is also crucial to protect such spaces and maybe the digital space can provide that in some in some cases for for certain groups who need to um, uh, in a way seek refuge in in um, these spaces I think yeah there's value to that. Great. Missouri. Yeah, yes. Okay. Let me think. Um, <laughs> I feel like all the panelists are answering uh, <laughs> what I wanted to say. But... Missouri, should I pass it to Zarina and come back to you? <laughs> okay, Zarina, I'm going to come to you. 
Okay. Um, I guess just to kind of uh, respond to, I mean, draw from uh, you know what Alicia has been saying about care. I mean, I, I I love I love your practice. I love your the work that you're doing on that. I it's very important. Yeah. Um, and the point uh, that Jason mentioned about uh, just yeah being able to come back to your studio to be able to uh, ground yourself to find ways to ground yourself. So, um, I what I found because I did experience you know quite tremendous. Again, I'll be quite candid and honest here, quite tremendous uh, brain fog at some point where I really wasn't sure how to sort of move past it at a point. Um, and then I realized that uh, with this you know, new project, research project that I was embarking on with Zach, uh, what we really enjoyed was really the walking and the talking. <laughs> like we would walk for hours uh, and there were points where we were like, okay, maybe we don't need to be so fixated on the outcome of this for now. We'll just, this is, this process is, is grounding. I think it's bringing us back into our bodies. So I feel like that was something which um, many artists were, I, I think are, are still thinking about. Um, how are we listening to ourselves, to our bodies, to each other, um, to our, I like to call them our creaturely companions. Um, and uh, yeah, just, just to the environments and, and how do they talk back to us, speak back with us. So I think that's something which, uh, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about. Mm. Great, thank you, um, Zarina, and, and thank you all of you. I'll, I'll just do a little summary uh, of what I feel are our, our key takeaways from, from this discussion. I mean, we started off by talking a lot about how digital platforms have increased capacity um, and helped you expand your practice, reach out to different audiences. Missouri was talking about archiving. You know, it's almost like a reminder um, and to Alicia's comments as well about, you know, how important it is and how we do value being present online. Um, we also recognize that digital platforms actually, whilst enabling us a lot of agency, um, this idea that anyone can connect, you know, from their bedroom, from their home, um, at the same time, uh, require us to place a lot of trust, you know, both in the platform itself, but also at the other end, um, the host who, who might be um, uh, broadcasting a discussion um, and really, you know, how to establish also intimate relationships through through platforms like Zoom and uh, Alicia's really interesting example about the camera uh, as a kind of portal, you know, the sort of digital intimacy, which is a totally new form of intimacy, in fact. Um, and I think as a final point, you know, uh, again, whilst recognizing this um, potential of the digital, we're also um, allowing ourselves that right to be absent. Uh, to withdraw and uh, also to to very much um, center ourselves around tangible and bodily uh, connections and being. Uh, and in fact, Zarina, as you were talking just now about walking and talking, uh, it's one of the only ways, at least I again at the moment, can uh, interact with other people. And it, there's something there which I feel um, does make you think about how perhaps a journey from A to B if you were walking, traveling, it's almost like your body would switch off um, before because mm -hmm. that is just a transit. Yeah. Whereas now that's actually the experience. <laughs> it's, you know, there's no A to B anymore. There's just yeah. A. And so when we go out for a walk for exercise to take fresh air in a lockdown, you know, I'm, I'm aware as well how much more present and um, material I even feel as a human body in space. So, 
um, yeah, nice note to end on. Uh, so perhaps we'll, we'll hand it back to Art Market. Thank you. Thank you all. Um, thank you everybody for tuning in and spending the past hour with us. And thank you to our panelists for the very wonderful discussion. I'm sure everyone enjoyed it very, very much. Um, before we conclude, I'd like to invite all of you to join us for our final talk in Reset uh, Online, which is organized in partnership with Singapore Art Week 2021. Do tune in next Friday, 22nd January, 2 to 3 p.m. for our fifth talk titled Making Space Support Systems for a Diverse Art Ecosystem. It will feature Hansong Hultman, Director of Goethe Institute Singapore, James Page, Foundry Director of Yorkia Art Lab, Michelle J. N. Lim, Artist and Editor of Plural Art Magazine, and Dr. Wang Roping, Co-Founder of Commerce Space. The talk will be moderated by Chelsea Chua, Program Director at Objectives Centre for Photography and Film. Please visit artandmarket.net slash reset for more information and to sign up. Thank you everyone once again and have a wonderful week ahead.